LinkedIn presents. You practice networking, talking, building relationships with your classmates, with the staff members, and then you know that'll kind of help you navigate that within the corporate space. So I'm stepping it, you know, inside of Gear Up, and I'm learning how to network, and I'm giving presentations, and I'm I'm building and forming relationships, and I'm I'm I'm, do, I'm doing incredibly well here. I'm like this, like this is my space, like like this is probably like the best, like the best version of me that I, I could have like possibly been at, and it was because of this environment that that helped me just build myself up. No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom. Is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe, and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Heaven Hamilton. I have so many wonderful things to say about her. And the coolest thing is we actually met yesterday in person after meeting on Twitter. And today we get the podcast. Things happen quick. So I appreciate that. And Heaven is a technical program manager. Do you mind telling us what a technical program manager does and how'd you get into it? Absolutely. First, thank you for having me on. I've been meaning to be on this podcast with you. And yes, it was great that we got to meet in person. We had great food. You got to show me around New York a little bit and I'll get to show you around Seattle too. So hello everyone. Super happy uh, to be here. I'm Heaven Hamilton. I'm currently a technical program manager. So if I were to describe uh, technical program management, we get stuff done. We we take ideas and we make them into a reality. Um, so like where it relates to kind of like what you're doing for a company, there are projects and programs that people want to execute. There are products that they want to work on. There are features that they want to make available to all the customers. All of that requires a large degree of coordinating across several different roles. The people that are actually going to be developing said feature or thing, the person that's going to be executing on the work, people that may be designing it, legal aspects, design aspects. There's a, a lot of people involved when you're you know, trying to accomplish something, but a TPM has the opportunity to be in the middle of all of that. You have an opportunity to do planning. You have an opportunity to help with alignment. You have an opportunity to gather feedback. You have an opportunity to do risk management, to make sure that our plan is either on track or we can pivot or, or we can deviate. But whatever the idea is, you make it an actual reality. Um, so I've been doing technical program management for like the last five or so years. And I'd say like most of my career, I've been in a PM space where, where I am. I've been always working around projects, always working around. We are trying to do X and X is going to drive, you know, Y value for said company. Like maybe it's we're trying to increase revenue or we're trying to increase engagement or we're trying to make the system and this process better for the people that are using it so they, that they can service customers externally. So that is a little bit about what what I have been doing, um, and I'm currently working at eBay, which is actually really exciting. I'm really excited to, to kind of have the opportunity to be there. And you worked at some cool companies before, right? You worked at Twitter before it kind of went through all these changes. What were some <laughs> other companies you worked at? So Twitter was definitely the highlight. Loved being there. Loved the product. Loved what we were doing. Um, I've had an opportunity to be at T-Mobile um, and BCU, which is a local credit union. And that's actually where I got my start. Wow, that's so awesome. Now, 
how much does a technical program manager make? Like, I know the salary and just people, it's always important to know, like, hey, what are the realistic possibilities? Uh, so technical program management, I would say, is equivalent to the salaries of product managers. It's going to depend on the company, going to depend on the role. So I would say, like, at the very like at the very end or the beginning level, like, you may have a project coordinator or, like, an entry-level project manager. I would say that that might potentially be, like, 80,000. Let's just say like, you know, base salary, that could be 80,000. As you start to get to like more of like the mid level, you may be looking somewhere around like 135 to even like 160, 170. Once you get to kind of like a senior TPM role, you're going to be looking at 180 plus. Now this is all with the assumptions of this is like your base salary. Some companies have, you know, that full compensation package where you have not only your base, but you also have equity um, and stock within the company that you're given over a period of time that will vest. And then you also have your bonus, which kind of contributes to the work that you delivered within that year, um, the goals that the company has met. And that could um, range anywhere from 10 to 15% of your base. And that makes up what people call TC or your total compensation. But I, I so to recap, I'd say the, the range could be anywhere from like 80,000 to like $200,000 plus. Um, it really depends on your level of experience, um, the negotiating that you've done, um, what the market may potentially be demanding, um, and a couple of other factors. Wow. No, that's very good to know. Like looking back, I definitely would have considered that route. I just didn't know it was a viable option. Now, how did you move up in program management? Because you've worked at several different places and you've moved up rel- relatively quickly. What's the secret? Okay, so I'll share what the secret is to moving up, but I'll also share just kind of how, like a little bit about how I got started. Um, so I got started like a program management adjacent type role. So I knew that I wanted to do project and program management after I, I came out of the Europe program. Now, part of doing the program, you don't get to decide on what internship you go to, nor the type of role that you're going to get. This is your opportunity to break inside of a, a corporate space. So I joined as a business analyst, and then I got hired on full-time as a technical analyst. Now, I consider these project management adjacent type roles um, because you have some of the transferable skills in the sense of you are doing a lot of communication communication. And you're communicating with, you know, in this case, I was communicating with internal employees who would I who I would then consider my stakeholders or customers because I am working on projects and working on systems to make their processes better. I am working, you know, to, to potentially do like infosec. Um, you're doing like budgeting. During my internship, it was a lot of chief of staff operations versus when I was actually a full-time employee, I worked on a content management system. So I worked on a project team, which for someone like me that was already interested in project management, this is perfect because one, I have a project manager on my team, which means that I I immediately have someone that I can observe and that I can learn from. Secondly, I am surrounded with other business analysts, QA engineers, software engineer. I am kind of like the point of contact um, for like our production support, the vendor management relationship, understanding kind of how like the flow of documents that are going within our system. You think of a bank, you may think of ATM slips, withdrawal slips, things of that nature. All of that content has to live somewhere. So being able to have a system that our tellers, people in accounting, people in records can use so that all of the other customers that are coming, like the people that actually want to say, can, can you show me like all of my last withdrawal slips, like the last last month or, you know, or something like that, they can be serviced in, in a timely fashion. So my role was very fluid in the sense of I got to do production support. So being able to troubleshoot different issues that are happening, like like actually within our system, um, working on you know different releases that we're having, how the releases work, and then going to actually get the feedback from the people that are using the system. Do they actually like it? Like, are we actually solving problems for them? And if we're and if we're not, how do we fix it? Hey, 
Are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. So that was a great role to kind of take, like to kind of take on because it really helped build up my experience as someone that was, you know, brand new to corporate. I was able to have these type of things on my resume to kind of show like the breadth of here's how I'm doing project management related tasks. And here's areas where I may be serving as a project manager, like serving as a lead of someone that has, you know, a starting point and an end point of something that needs to be executed on. From there, the secret sauce is finding the right opportunities. Um, so I found the right opportunity at the right time and also being willing to stretch yourself to go for that opportunity. Had I potentially stayed safe at that company, it would have probably taken me a long time to become the, like the TPM or the project manager that I, that I really wanted, that I really wanted to become. And that was a, a large part of that was just the company culture and kind of like the banking industry where they definitely, you know, it, some of it may have changed now, but at that time, definitely valued someone that has a four-year degree, someone that has been in you know a specific role for like four or five years, and then you be, you could become said project manager. But I had actually found an opportunity to contract at T-Mobile, um, and I and I, I was able to not only take this contract role that was six months, and I ended up being there for two years. And another key part about me taking this role was. I wanted to be a technical project manager. So there's, you know, the project management, program management, then there's that T that varies by company. It kind of, you know, just depends on, on the level of technical you need to be. But for me, I, I wanted to learn more about the people that I'm working with, the roles, system design, architecture, infrastructure. Infrastructure at that time was a huge gap for me. And I took an IT infrastructure TPM type role. I got that role because of the questions that I asked during the interview. I seemed very capable. Um, I can learn very quickly on the side. I could, t I could TPM, but the, the infrastructure piece was, was what I was missing. <laughs> um, they did not know that, but I have, you know, I had the ability to learn on the job, ask the right questions, use, you know, Google, YouTube, whatever it is to kind of fill in those gaps. But that was the role that, that I needed because I knew that I had a, a gap in my knowledge. I'm like, I can learn on the job. I can get the experience and I can get the title. And this is going to help propel my career in the way that I already wanted it to go. Wow. I love it. And contract roles are really underrated because, yes, there's a risk that they're short term. But if you position yourself like, hey, I can get this jump in title. I can build relationships. And in your situation, it got to two years. And then that led to you know something better. Now, let's go back. Let's take it back. How was high school like for you? And would you want to be in high school? High school was okay. Like it, it wasn't anything too crazy. I mean, I, I would say I had pretty decent grades. I mean, I did have a, a period of time that I just like personally just kind of had struggles. Um, I had lost my grandmother my freshman year of high school. So going, in, going in, into my sophomore year, I just personally was just not feeling well. Um, There's like a lot of grief for me, a lot of grief for my mom, family, and, and kind of so on. So that's why I just kind of think of that time period of just being okay. 
But I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of fun. I was doing a lot of things. You know, I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely doing, you know, a, a lot of things. I could not figure out what it, what it was that I wanted to do. I, I think that by the time I got to my junior year of, of high school, I thought I wanted to do something in communications or like, I thought I wanted to be like a criminal minds detective. Like yeah. I just, I, I, I really did not know. Um, but by the time, you know, like I got to like junior, senior year, I was like, maybe I should be a, a, a reporter, you know, like, uh, Cairo seven is one of the, is one of the news stations here. I was like, I, I should be like heaven Hamilton, Cairo seven. I would you have the, like, you have the name for it. Like heaven, heaven Hamilton reporting. Yeah, like I, I was seeing, I was like, I was like, I was like, journalist, news reporter, like this, this could potentially work, right? And you know, I'm trying to figure out, well, how long do I have to go to school? How much is it going to cost? Like, like what, like what does this actually look like for me, right? Um, so leaving leaving high school, I knew that I did want to do something. I didn't know what, like what I wanted to do specifically, but I knew I needed to hit that milestone. Me graduating high school, that was a big milestone for me. Out of all of my siblings, I'm the youngest sibling, but I'm the only one to graduate high school. So it was like milestone hit, milestone achieved. Like, you know, like for most people, they graduate, they're like, cool. But I'm like, this is like big milestone. Like I'm doing it. <laughs> like I'm doing it. I'm like, all right, next step. I need to try to go to school. Um, and, you know, just through kind of naturally doing research, I learned community college is so much cheaper than going to a university. And for more or less, it's, it's kind of like this, like the first two years, the, like the same classes that you would, that I would have been taking at a four year university, I can get at a community college because I may be, you know, taking my, my entry math, reading, writing electives and, and things like that. Like you're not yet taking specialized courses. So I had financial aid and that was an opportunity that I wanted to take. So I, I kind of put it in my mind. I'm like two years, I'm going to get my associate's degree. I, I'm, I'm ready to hit my next milestone. And then we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what, what other things look like from there. So I went into that time period. I'm initially going to get like an associate's in arts because I wanted to do communications or, you know, I wanted to be a news reporter, but then I was like, well, maybe I want to be a nurse. Um, because also at that same time, I went and got my caregiving certification so that I could work as a caregiver while I was going to school. So I have a, you know, a little bit more like flexibility on the weekends, make some money, do all the things. Right. Um, and so I was like, maybe, maybe I should be a nurse. I mean, I'm already caring for people on, on the weekend and I'm kind of like doing this naturopath, but I was like, you know, none of these like really aligned with like, <laughs> none of these really aligned with me, maybe besides like being a journalist um, or, or being a news reporter. And that's only for the communication aspect. And I had at this time, I had, I had never heard of project management. So like this type of role had like never even like crossed crossed my mind. I ended up switching um, to a business degree. Um, and I was largely pushed to do this degree by my brother-in-law. So while, so meanwhile, while, while I'm going to school, this dude is in high school doing a program that we have up here called Running Start, where you have an opportunity when you're a, a junior or a senior to go to a college and, you know, you can get the college credits, the high school credits. So him and I, like, you know, we're going to school together, me and my partner, you know, he, he's going to school and he's getting the business degree. He's like, you should get the business degree. I was like, but I have to take calculus. I have to take accounting. Like these are courses that I've never taken before. And that honestly, I, I was pretty scared to take. I was like, I do not want to fail. He's like, just do it. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I, I'm going to do it. And the, the way that I, I pushed myself incredibly hard to not only switch to do the business degree, but to also try my absolute best to pass these courses and understand the material. So I had not, I had never taken calculus up to that point, but I needed to kind of build myself up. So I think I, I started at like, I, I don't know, like, like, like the entry level, like college math. I did like a, a, a double course. So it was a 10 credit course. So I was able to 10 do credits? like, Oh my God. 
it was, it was a 10 credit course because it, it, it was it was meant to kind of like like accelerate it so i was doing like the entry like the entry level math like meshing with like, like the next level and i was like if i pass this course now i can go to pre-calc one pre-calc two yeah and then, then I, I can go to calculus like i had had this map out it was all quite difficult um it took me took me hours at like i would go to school and then i would spend hours doing doing homework because i just personally needed the time to like digest the material i was like until i figure this out we are going to be sitting here. I mean, I got, I got nothing else to do. I got nothing else to do but learn yeah. right now. Like, that is my only focus. It's literally to learn, make money, learn, make money, pay bills, make this happen, right? Um, so that was the way that I, I started to unblock myself from opportunities. Because had I not uh, had I not listened to my brother-in-law, I, 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 could, I would have been doing just, just anything. But he was like, he was like, do the business degree. You take these classes. It's going to be fine. Took the classes. I was able to graduate within the time frame that I wanted, which was a two-year period. Um, and I was able to get my associate's degree in business. So what I also failed to mention during this time is while my first year while I was in school, I was a caregiver. Um, but my second year while I was going to Green River College to get my business degree, I got my first office job, which I, I think that this was a, another great pivotal moment for me. Um, so Second year in school, I get my first office job um, at a label making company. Um, and this is, it's another one of those things where it's like the right opportunity, like, like at the right time. So it, at this time period, like I, I would go look for jobs in like Craigslist or, or like on like various like job boards. And I, you know, I'm, I'm putting, you know, so like some resume out there, I'm, you know, entry level, just trying to find something. Um, and I got a response back from this company. Um, so one of the things that I had failed to mention is that during my first year um, of college, I worked as a caregiver. But during my second year is when I got my first office job. Um, so at this time period, I was looking for jobs on like Craigslist, various shop boards, think just entry level, right? Just something that I can continue to you know make money as a college student and continue to have flexibility within my schedule. So I, I got a response back, and this was for a a label making company that was it was wasn't necessarily like too far like too far from my house, but it, you know it was. Good distance, right? Um, so it, it, it was so funny because I, I I almost missed out on this opportunity because I could not find I could not find like where like where it was at. I didn't have a car at that time either. So I, I was like I was like it said it was so close. And I was like I, I was like I've never I've never heard of this company. I've never I've never seen the building. I'm taking the bus. I'm walking. I'm I'm, I'm trying to find it. I eventually found it, and I, I think I was like 15 minutes late to the interview. But I, I I emailed them before. I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like I'm I'm having trouble like finding the place. I'm gonna be about 15 minutes late. I finally made it. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating too, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm moving quick. I'm sweating. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was, I was talking to the person that would be, you know, effectively hiring me. Um, and he was like, well, what, what's your experience? Right. I've, I've never done customer service in this way, but I'm like, I've been a caregiver. I've worked at McDonald's. I've worked at Jimmy John's. Like I've worked with customers. I'm going to school for like, you know, for these things, like, like here's what I can do. The reason that I got this job, I told him about my experience as a caregiver and how you have to have a lot of patience. Like you're caring for like six clients at a time. All of them have different care plans. Like it's like, there's a lot involved when, when you are providing care for someone. Right. And, and he has provided care for his parents and everything. And he's like, Oh, like this person has a lot of empathy. They have a lot of patience. They have a lot of care. And I was like, this is great. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, I was, and I was specifically looking for a more flexible schedule because I knew, um, like the type of schedule I would have for my upcoming quarters. And they were absolutely like, like willing to kind of like work with my schedule. So I think I, I worked part-time with them. Like I worked part-time with them like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I did like full-time school 
Tuesday, Thursday, and then I also and then I also took online classes. Um, so it, it like I, I was able to to make this opportunity work, and that was my first time being like in an office setting. Um, and because I didn't have a car, so on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I was walking like 45 minutes to the shop from my house. I mean, like I like the, the type of things that, that I was doing before I got to where I was at. Like it was like jobs an hour away. I don't, I don't have a car. There's no bus to get there. I'm just going to walk. Like it just is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's what I needed to do at that time period to, to kind of make cash. Um, so I was doing customer service um, and I, you know, I was learning different, you know, different systems, customer emails, all these things. Meanwhile, I'm taking classes like accounting one, accounting two, accounting three, and there's an accounting department. So he had, he had actually asked me if I was interested in moving over to the accounting department. I'm like, this is perfect. I, I've been taking a accounting classes. Now I'm ready to try to take the things that I've been learning inside of these books and I'm ready, ready to try to, you know, apply it to like what I've been learning as I've been at this company for like, like the last year or so. Um, so that was, it was a really good experience. I think like it set up some of my, like my initial framework to maybe what a potential office life could be like. But at the same time, at, like, as I was kind of observing this space, I was like, this, this is rough. Like I, I cannot see myself doing this for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Like this is not work that I you know, personally found like incredibly fulfilling. I'm making, I'm making minimum wage. I am walking to work. I am busting my ass. I don't know what's going on. I was like, I was like somewhere something has to give. I don't know what it is, but, but somewhere this is not where I am meant to be. And I need to find out where, where that is. So at the same time period, I found out about Europe. Um, and I found out about Europe on Facebook. I was scrolling through Facebook um, and I saw some people that I went to middle school, high school with. They had, you know, the internships at Expedia, internships at Zillow. And I was like, how? Like this, th this all, this also sounds great. Went to Google, typed it in. It was like one year program, free, come change your life. It's like, this is starting to sound scammy. Like, like you're telling me you're going to pay me. I'm going to get college credits, all these things. I'm like, I should just go check it out. So I went down to the Seattle office. I went to the information session. I was like, this is the program, like the program that I need to do. It's like one year, like you, you can get into tech, you can get into corporate, come make like 18 an hour. I'm like, I'm making minimum wage. This, this, this sounds like what I need to be doing. Wait, what was minimum wage back then? Um, so, so minimum wage at, at that time was like nine. Okay. okay. So my, my first, my, my first job was like nine Oh four. My, my second job was like nine thirty two, And this job, it was a little bit above that. It was like 11, yeah. it was like $11 yeah. an hour. So I was like, this, this is minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's so funny. It, it, it's, it's because of, of the city of the city that I was in. But I think at that time period, if you were in SeaTac or Seattle, the minimum wage was like $15. But if you were in like the other cities, it was still like, like nine thirty two. So it was definitely a different time, um, especially now, like when, when minimum wage is definitely a, a little bit higher or, or some companies are, you know, offering a little bit more. Um, but the idea of making 18 an hour and the idea of like being able to do something else and to also like push myself to like to the next step, I was like, this is, this is going to be perfect. So I, I made myself another plan. I was like, I'm going to finish this degree. I'm going to save up as much, as much money as I can. I need to get myself a car. <laughs> So I need, I need, I need to save, I need to get a car and I, I need to go apply for this program. Um, because one, like there's a lot of people that do apply for Europe, but it's very competitive to get in. So I, I was like, all right, I need, I need a letter of recommendation. I got a letter of recommendation from my, from my boss at that current time. I told him about this program that I was excited to do. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to continue working here until this period. Then I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to go take this risk and I'm, I'm going to go do, I'm going <laughs> to go do the thing. He was excited for me. He gave me my letter of recommendation. I got all my, you know, 
know, ducks in a row. I went and did the whole year up process did like, you know, the interview, the application, all the things I got accepted. I was super excited. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to year up. I hope that this works out in the way that I, in the way that I want it to. But the things that they were, that they were saying, you're, you know, they're like, this is a great opportunity within, within one year, you could have a completely different life. I was like, okay, let's do it. Wow. So how was that year? That year was transformative. It was probably one of the best years of my life, not only for everything that I got out of it, but also the amount of growth that I had that I did not think that I could have. Um, so joining, when I joined Year Up, I was 20. So, so everything that I've been mentioning to you that I've been doing to this point, I was between 18 and 20. So, you know, graduated high school, 18 to 20. All of these things are happening to me in a, like a short period of time, like caregiving, school, office job, work, year up. I'm like, now, now I'm going to like actually go do this program. So I joined the program and I was part of their quality assurance and testing track. So uh, effectively a QA student. Um, and a lot of the students that, that are within this track, you would potentially go get an internship at like a Microsoft or like in an Alaska Airlines. And, and you would do like a lot of the QA engineering for them. On the flip side of that, I had classmates that were in the IT track. So these are, are the students that can put a computer together. They can bring it apart. They do a, a lot of IT help desk and things of that nature. So all of this is brand new is brand new to me. Mind you, I, I had to push myself to go get a business degree from Green River. And the idea of working in like a technical field where I have zero technical background, I was like, this may also be difficult, but I've done it before. I, I, I have taken classes that I never thought I could take and I passed them, which means that if I can put myself in another space like this, learn, put my head down, like I, I will be able to figure this out. But the really unique and cool thing that I really appreciated about Year Up was the environment itself. Year Up is a very supportive environment. Like there's a, a motto called like high support, high expectations. So I'm not only surrounded with other classmates who have, uh, who have like, like almost like almost um, similar stories and backgrounds to kind of like, like where I was at. Some of them, you know, they attempted school, but it, it didn't work out. They're also like working minimum wage jobs. Like they're looking for that opportunity to kind of change their path. Um, and so, and we're all highly motivated to do the thing, which is to graduate year up and find success. So you, you have all of these students in the same space, 40 hours a week, doing all the things. You have a coach, you get a mentor and you're constantly kind of like told like, of course you can do this. Of course you could be a software engineer. Of course you could be a project manager. Of course you could be a QA engineer. Why not? Why not you? So it, it, it's, it, it, it's kind of, it, it helps you build a lot of the confidence where you can remove a lot of those self-limitations that you'll put on yourself where you go, I can't be a software engineer. I, I can't do this. Why not? Right. Um, so I, I really appreciated Europe for putting us inside of that space and providing us with the support that they did. And also having resources for, you know, like people that may have been struggling, like with some of the coursework, but that's also like where you have your classmates also help uplift you. If I'm learning material, you know, a little bit quicker, I understand it a little bit better. I may take that opportunity to step in and like maybe like formulate a study group. Like, are you struggling with this? Let me help you. Like it, it benefits us all to get to where we want to go. So I, you know, I'm learning intro into JavaScript. I'm learning intro, you know, SQL, computer systems, um, simple things like how to create a corporate email, how to give a corporate presentation, um, how to write a white paper, how to do like all, all the fundamentals of, of QA. And that's where I also uh, first learned about project management and all of the things involved, which is how I knew that I eventually wanted to be a project manager after taking that course. So within this ent entire time period, I, I stepped into a lot of things. 
I stepped into, you know, a, a place where I, where I was viewed as a leader within our community, like, like someone that, oh, he heaven speaks well, heaven, heaven does, does all these things well. And I'm like, you guys have no idea, like how new, like, like all of this is for me. Even I, I've mentioned this before, like the concept of networking is something that I learned at year up. I went to school for two years. Um, I, I am more naturally a, a quiet person, meaning I may potentially just like, just like keep to myself, which was, which is absolutely what I did at Green River. Like I, the, the concept of like building relationships with the classmates, I just, I just, <laughs> I just went to school, went to work, came back, did the thing. If I did meet someone cool, if, if I didn't, I, I just kind of, just kind of like really kept to myself. I did not have that concept of networking, but I also, I don't feel like I, I even knew how to do it. I, I don't feel like I even knew it was like, well, what, what will me and this person be talking about? Why am I talking to this person? Versus, you know, you, you kind of get to year up and it, it opens up your world. You're like, well, you should talk to this person because you you all may have something in common together. Um, or you can listen, like you can start listening and learning like from their stories and learning like different perspectives. And it's like, well, here's how you can start a conversation. A lot of it took practice and we got to practice this every day. You practice networking, talking, building relationships with your classmates, with the staff members. And then, you know, that kind of help you navigate that within the corporate space. So I'm stepping it, you know, inside of gear up and I'm learning how to network and I'm giving presentations. And I'm I'm building and forming relationships, and I'm 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 do I'm doing incredibly well here. I'm like this like this is my space. Like like this is probably like the best like the best version of me that I, I could have like possibly been at. And it was because of this environment that that helped me just build myself up. And so I did you know six months of this program, and then I interned at BCU. Uh, the credit union um, as, you know, business analyst. And then I got converted there and then I got hired full time. And that's kind of like what I mentioned a little bit earlier with me being a technical analyst and how that kind of took off within the project management space. But everything about that year was fantastic. I look back and, uh, you know, through that year and I love it. Graduated from year up. I love everything about year up from the mission, close the opportunity divide. I'm with it. Um, because of, because of what year up gave to me and and how much I value what they've been doing. I have given back to Europe in 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 multiple in multiple ways. The, the way that I can do it the best is by donating my time. So I've been serving as their board chair and now their national alumni board chair. I, I've been doing board work for them for like the last five years. From the moment I graduated, I wanted to get involved. Like I, I, I wanted to continue being part of the ecosystem because while you're a student, that's only six months. While you're an intern, that's only six months. While you're an alumni, that's forever. And I get to be part of this alumni network as an engaged member, as someone that can go back and like talk and mentor the students, as someone that, that can kind of like share my expertise. If I go off to a company, it doesn't matter if it's BCU, T-Mobile, Twitter, I'm going to tell them about Year Up because now this is an opportunity for them to go, oh, we can hire more Year Up alumni, or we may want to do a partnership where we can get some Year Up interns here. So just, just by me simply sharing with them what my journey has been like to get here, they may become more interested in engaging with Year Up, which then provides more opportunities for all of the people that may find this program, and it may be life-changing for them as well. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you stop going to college, I guess, because you're working, or what was the situation with that? So the situation with that was a university was going to be too expensive. I just personally was not interested in taking out like a, a loan and putting myself in, you know, putting myself in debt. And for me, like, I, I was saying it this way, right? I had an associate's degree in business. And mind you, I've been working at the office job. 
And so I, I'd, I'd also been talking like to my coworkers who like some of them had degrees, but some of them didn't. And they had been working at the shop for like a long time. They were not making a lot of money at all. And it, like, it was a very kind of like, you know, like boring manual type thing. And I'm like, hey, I have this degree, but this is like, like, like the only job that like, <laughs> like the only job that's connecting here. So if I, so if I go take out this loan and I, I try to go to like University of Washington or somewhere else, what is the job that I'm going to get? Like, it, like the things are, are just not lining up. Uh, bills are bills and they need to be paid. <laughs> and I, I need to be able to like to do something quicker and, and, and something that, that I think would potentially help. And it's just that year up, just it happened to be what I needed at, at that time. Like I, I, I found out about it at the right time. But I mean, I, I could have easily just like, I just, you know, at, at that time, a lot of people, they were on Facebook. So like scrolling, like scrolling through my feed, I could have easily just like seen it and just, and, and not thought about it at all. But I saw it and I saw, I saw several posts from different people. And I was like, Expedia, Zillow. Okay. So like, I know these people, but so like this, like this program must be legit. And just, you know, naturally through, through doing my own research, you know, that, that that's kind of how I was able to come to the decision that I needed to do it. Um, but the idea of me doing another two years of school and still potentially like working at the job that I was at, taking out a loan and debt, just, it, it did not seem like the path that, that I wanted for myself. It's a lot of work and you already put yourself through so much from 18 to 20. <laughs> that you know you put your time in and all that so now you you're working as a technical analyst you did a lot of the right things how'd you get your next role i got my next role through networking networking is is big it's a skill that i i've, I've been learning and building since i joined your up and graduated from your up having you know people people who can support you people who can connect you with opportunities people who, who also believe in your career growth is absolutely key. So here's how I, I I left the role as a technical analyst and actually got the title of TPM. So at, at this point, I had actually I had actually been looking for a role for a while. Like I was going to in-person job fairs, I was on the LinkedIn, I was doing all the things. I, I wish I had found like you know Jay and, and, and Mentor Mesh what was created at this time because I would have been posting on LinkedIn, but that was not something that I was doing at that time. Like the idea of me creating content on LinkedIn just it just never crossed. And, and what year was that? This was in 2019. So it was like okay. into 2018, 2019, like the idea yeah, of creating yeah. content online or, or at least like on LinkedIn, I was like, what am I going to post? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the idea of like building an online presence and, you know, visibility, it just, it just did not cross my mind at that time. Right. So I, I'm, I'm doing everything, uh, you know, effectively in like a small silo. I'm applying for the jobs, do, you know, doing the things, reaching out, but it, it's still not landing. And one of the, one of the challenges was, because I did not have the title previously, it, it was it was harder to actually get inside of the role. So every time it'd be like, well, what's a technical analyst? So I, I had, you know, I had to have a spiel to kind of, you know, tell them, well, this is what, what my role was. Here's how it is literally similar to a project manager. Here are the ways that I've served as a project manager. So like, like these are the type of conversations that I ended up having. Um, but where I was able to get my opportunity was actually on LinkedIn. LinkedIn used to have a feature where like you could plug in like, like what you were looking for so I was I was looking for project management program management and I was looking for people that 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 had experience like effectively like mentors right that had had the experience had the knowledge and they, they would you know kind of like try their best to kind of match you up with people and they would do this every week so I so I I had used the feature filled out what I was looking for and it matched me up with like five six people I found you know uh, one woman she had like 20 years of program management experience and she was not too far from not too far from where I was located I reached out to her to see 
see, you know, if she would be interested in like a 15, 20 minute coffee chat. I went and met up with her in person. I told her a little bit about me, what I, what I was looking for, what I was interested in, some of the challenges that, that I was having. And I wanted to know like, like her advice. I mean, she's been in this industry for like the last 20 years. So how, how, how was she able to kind of, you know, navigate this? So she was like, I really want to help you. Let me connect you with, with three recruiters that I know. So being connected with three recruiters at different firms was incredibly helpful. Um, so I got connected, um, with tech systems, which is already, um, you know, kind of like a, a, a tech agency that I already knew about from year up, but I was not connected to the person that she connected me with. So him and I, we, we met, we met over coffee. Um, and got, you know, same thing. I, I told him where I'm at, what I'm looking for. And he was like, I'm going to keep like an eye open, like for some potential roles. And he happened to be the owner of the T-Mobile account. So then when he had messaged me and he was like, they have a, a potential TPM opportunity. Do you have IT infrastructure knowledge? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I have enough. <laughs> I have enough knowledge to pass this interview. I promise you I do. Um, and, and that is how I was able to at least get myself inside of the room. I went to the interview. Um, and unlike all the other interviews that I had had at that time, um, my then manager, he did not ask me a single question. Basically, the ball, like the ball was effectively in my court. Like he had introduced himself. He had introduced a little bit of, about the, you know, the charter for the team. And he was like, what questions do you have? Had I not been thinking about this role, I would not have gotten the job. I was thinking deeply <laughs> about the role. I'm like, okay, so, you know, like effectively, the, you know, the objective is to decommission these 3,500 servers. I'm like, just simple questions. Like what type of servers? <laughs> like what type of servers? How many application teams? Like what are, are some of the, like the current constraints? Like what have you all been doing like up to this period of time? Like who has been managing this program? Because it was within a very tight window. These you know servers need to be decommissioned in in six months. So I you know I was curious to know like like what was some of the thought process like maybe before from like a project and program perspective. I asked him a, you know a ton of questions based on my question. He would provide an answer, and that was what was generating the flow of the conversation. The next person came in. He did the exact same thing. He was the manager of the Windows Here Two team, and he was just like, "What questions do you have?" Um, because of, of the questions and, you know, and kind of like the way that we ended up conversating within this time period we had together, that's how I was able to land this T-Mobile TPM opportunity. And it was absolutely fantastic because um, it, it was a six month contract. And I, I had no idea that I, I that I would end up being there as long as I did. Now, you got this role. How did you learn infrastructure? So I learned everything on the job. Um, and I also learned things on Google and on YouTube. So, so effectively, because I am decommissioning servers, like at this point, like it's important, it's important for me to know, well, what is the process of decommissioning a server? So me being able to kind of like, like learn like what that flow looks like. We would use ServiceNow. Like ServiceNow was not only the tool that I use to get the source of my data. It's also the tool that I'm using to like, you know, submit intakes. It's also the tool that if I can see like what the flow is of I submitted the server for decom, what are all the steps involved? If there's anything that I'm missing, I can just, you know, Google, you know, research, like, you know, maybe find a video to piece it together. And I'm like, okay, so now, now that I have this flow down, what is the flow that the application teams are taking to get their application from server A to server B? Boom get this down and I, I'm, I'm interacting with, you know, the windows engineers, I'm interacting with tech leads. I'm interacting with, with a lot of people where I, I, I can, you know, just over time, ask them questions It builds upon my knowledge base, but I'm actually doing the work. I have to manage these things. So it, it was very important for me early on to at least know at, at a high level, 
well, here is how everything is working, but here's how I'm going to manage the program. Like here are the things that I can already innately come in and implement for you. They needed status reporting and tracking. That That's something that I, I can easily put together for you. And actually I can put it together for you using Power BI, which was um, a skill that I learned on the job. Um, my manager at the time, he had initially wanted like a, like a burn down chart, you know, just kind of to, to see the the burn rate of, of how progress was going. And I was like, we should use Power BI, not only because Power BI is, is being used by other teams, but this is, this is going to make it very easy for you, for upper management, for stakeholders to be able to see all of the visuals and the process of what they need. I'm also managing my program using Microsoft Access. The reason I am using Microsoft Access is because I have 3,500 servers. So I have, I have rows of data, but I often, I have people regularly sending me several different spreadsheets to kind of do compare, you know, contrast yeah. all the things rather than me trying to spend time like we look up. No, no, no. The Excel would have, <laughs> oh my God, I could only I'm, imagine I'm like, that Excel I, file. I, I am going to be doing queries. We are going to be using Microsoft Access and this is going to make my life a, a little bit easier. Um, and then I could later just, just connect my, um, my database up to my Power BI dashboard. As long as I am making regular updates to my original source of data, then my Power BI um, will always be updated as well. So these are, are some of the things that, that I was able to not only learn on the job, I was able to create for them. And then I was able to build out like, 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 like really like, like what that gap was where I was like, IT infrastructure, like it just, it, it seemed just like a cloud, like a question mark. And I'm like, oh, yeah. like, like this is like, this is, is really not bad to understand at all. I just needed to be inside of the space with the people that I can ask the questions to you, what the work that I can do on a daily basis with, you know, like with, you know, now that I have the questions and, and the terminology, it's a lot easier for me to just go put it into to YouTube and watch another YouTube video on something that, that I may be missing. So did they extend your contract? Like, how does that work? Like you had a six months and they're like, hey, heaven, you did a good job. We'd like to keep you on longer. Or did, did you know it was going to be two years or it was like, hey, month to month? Because I know contracts can be really yeah. stressful for some people because you don't know when the true end date is. My contract got extended twice. Um, so my, my first contract or statement of work was for six months. So during this time period, I had Windows Server 2008. So I, I'm working with, you know, working with my manager on kind of like, on kind of what it looks like. He's like, well, you, you're, you're doing a great job. We want to keep you on a little bit longer. I mean, I would have ideally loved to have been at T-Mobile full time. Like I, I had a good manager, good team, good work. Like there was a good opportunity for, for, for a lot of career growth. But, you know, he, he was like, you know, we're, we're going to extend your contract. I think it was like the first extension was nine months and it went from I had Windows Server 2008 to completing that project to now I have the whole end of life program. It was like you did a great job with 08. Here's Red Hat Linux 6. Here's HPUX. Here's Solaris. Here's a couple of other operating systems like I am now responsible for building out this roadmap of how we do end of life program management here. Um, I could take some of the best practices that I, I've already done, some of the things that I wanted to change, and we can implement this entire program. And now I'm, I'm working with, with, with several different dates. You know, each operating system has their own end of life date. Each OS has a certain number of servers, certain number of application teams, and now I can work within these parameters. So second contract was nine months. And then by the time, by the time we got to, to the nine month phase, this is also during the time period, um, like, like when, you know, T-Mobile and Sprint were coming together. So I also had, like, now I had new Sprint colleagues, I also had like a new Sprint manager. So they were also trying to make 
room for, for, for like the folks that were also coming over. So there was no like, like exact budget, like on my manager's team to kind of like bring me on as like an FTE. So my contract got extended once again, but this time it was for a year. So it like, it it just, it it kept, kept, kept getting it, um, you know, kept getting extended and I'm sure it probably got, got extended again. Um, but by the time I started getting to about the, like the year and a half, two year mark, I was like, I would ideally love to be FTE contract is great for, you know, for being able to have, you know, have the opportunities, have all the things, but I really wanted to get back into being, being an FTE. Cause it also comes with like a small or certain level of, of security, higher compensation, PTO, other things. Um, I was also heavily interested in having a little bit more like, like just flexibility within my work. When I at first started, um, I, it, it was, it was all in office, uh, Monday through Friday, but I was commuting like an hour and a half each way. So I, I was like, if I could just like work from home, like a little bit, this would be great. And then we, you know, we ended up going in, into lockdown. So I, I, I ended up like working remote, like just, like during like a, yeah. a large part of, of my contract. But I still, I wanted my, you know, my next opportunity to kind of have flexibility. I wanted to be an FTE. Um, at, at this, you know, at this time, it's you know, kind of like early, like early 2021. You know, I, I had, you know, met Jay. I joined, the, you know, the Mentor Mesh community. I was learning more about product management. I was like, oh, well, you know, here's, you know, like, like my TPM role. Here's this product manager role. I wish I could do something that was like a hybrid of both or, or kind of something that is leaning more towards pro- like product management. So then I started setting my sights on my next role, which it ended up being Twitter. How'd you get that? So Twitter came about uh, in, in, in a couple of ways. So early, <laughs> early 2021, Jay Mentor Mesh, I'm part of his PM bootcamp. Um, so it was initially like a, a three, four month bootcamp where I'm, I literally learned like all the basics and everything about product management from someone that had been a product manager for like the last 15 plus years. I'm also learning from, um, from someone she was a recruiter at Google at the time. And she was teaching us all the things for like resume, like how to like start creating content on LinkedIn, why it's important, different challenges. I'm in, you know, I'm in a cohort with others who they're also, they're also interested in product management. Some of them are in tech, some of them are in tech adjacent roles, but we have all somehow found our way to Jay and found our way to mentor mesh. And, and we are just in it. And so, you know, we were doing this for like, for like three, four months. Um, and that, that's, that's really when I started building my online presence. That's when I started adding more personality and like color to my LinkedIn, like, like simple things like you're, like you're about me. And like, it used to be so like plain, bland, yeah. just nothing. I'm mean, like an emoji, something, right? So like I was able, able to like add like more color to it, started, you know, like posting a lot of content. Now my, the person that, that would then become my manager, he's a huge supporter of, of mentor, uh, mentor mesh, mentorship and all these things. So I, I, I had never like met, like met him formally at this time, but I was creating content on LinkedIn and he was liking and engaging with my content. And he was also working at Twitter. Jay was working at Twitter at the time. Jay had encouraged me to apply for Twitter. He was like, I, like, I strongly encourage you. And, you know, he, he kind of, you know, pushed me to apply for the role. So I ended up reaching out to the person that would, that would be my, my manager on LinkedIn. And this, this comes, you know, after like, a, like, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks and months of me just making content on LinkedIn and him interacting with it. So at the very least, I, I, I know that he knows 
who I am. Um, and so when I reached out uh, to him on LinkedIn, he was willing to have a 20 minute conversation with me. I was able to like, like, like formally meet him, formally introduce myself. Um, and, and he had, he had asked me a couple of questions around leadership, around, you know, my thoughts on, on, on program management, a little bit about what I was doing at T-Mobile. And he had just asked if I was interested in an opportunity at, at, at Twitter and going through their, like their entire interview loop. The process took in total probably like three months from, from the time that I had my initial conversation with him to the time that I had like, you know, like a, a recruiter screen, my first tech interview, and then my my all day loop, which that was four interviews. Um, like it was four hour long interviews with, with two people um, each with, you know, like, like within like different, um, different sections so that took uh, all took about three months. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. So now you're in like big tech, right? Everybody knows where Twitter is. How was that job? Working at Twitter was fantastic. Twitter was everything that I wanted up until this point. It was the title that I wanted. It was the most compensation that I had ever made in my entire life, <laughs> like up until this point. Um, the role was 100% remote. Um, and everything about the work was also really exciting. So a couple of things that, that were just great. First of all, my manager. I had such a wonderful, supporting, and great manager. She like she was literally the absolute best. And then I have my TPM team, and then I have the team that I'm working on. So like like the actual you know product team, like where we're doing the features. Everyone incredibly nice, incredibly supportive. Um, I was able to, you know to tell them my interest in product management, which is how you know I was able to also do some more product management related tasks, which is how my role ended up being more of like a hybrid. This is also a space where it's probably like the most black people in tech that that I have seen. I'd say o- over half of my TPM team we were black, and th- there were just so many instances where I, I am now I am no longer the the only you know like black woman in a room, the only black person in the room, like the youngest person in a room. We all have like various backgrounds. There's a couple of of Europe alumni, then there was an alumni that he was also a TPM. Like there was a, a lot of background diversity within Twitter. And then the work itself, like I, I would say like all of the Twitter employees, like it, it, including me, we all really cared about the product. Twitter is a fun app. It used to be a fun app. <laughs> and yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it, 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 it is not an app for everybody. <laughs> It is definitely it's not. Advice. It's not. Let me tell you, I the things I see, you got to be careful on Twitter. You will get roasted. So you got to have thick skin. You got to know how to navigate. I tell people Twitter is like a gated community. If you stay within your community, you'll be okay. If you go outside your community, you'll be shot and run over, hit. It's, it's, it's wild out there. So I, I saw this tweet where someone had said, Twitter is where the savages dwell. Twitter... Yeah. Twitter is really that place. But what, what's really exciting is all of the conversations that actually happen on Twitter. So when I think about it, like if you think about from the, like the perspective of all of the social media apps that are like available right now, the Facebooks, Instagrams, TikTok, Twitter. So a lot of things now, because so many people, they use and love TikTok. There's so many people on, on TikTok, but video content takes a while to create, to actually create a video, edit it, get it out, you know, have like your concept, your idea versus a, a tweet is something that, that you could just have immediately. I could just be like looking at you. And now I've already tweeted that you and I are kind of doing this. Yeah. Like, like you're able to get the information out a little bit faster. So while videos, like they start to circulate, like when things like kind of become trending, but I, but I, I feel like social shifts happen on Twitter, like, like the, the different conversations, perceptions, like it, it happens on Twitter and it's like, it's societal changes. Movements are sparked on Twitter. Movements are communicated on Twitter. Twitter is a great place for a lot of things. Um, and so being on, being on teams that helped 
oh, that, that helped drive what that was, the public, the public conversation. I was like, this is great. Um, and, and being able to, to also help people find and stay within their communities, um, which is why I was super excited to be part of putting out Twitter Circle, which is a feature that, that lets you privately tweet to a friends group of your choosing. So now you don't have to lock down your profile to private. Your profile can be public. You may not want to tweet to everyone. You want to tweet to your circle. So it was just really cool to kind of use the platform and then go see people using your feature, people talking about your feature. Some of them like it, some of them don't. Some of them like, you know, that they have different different feedback. Um, and then when you're also thinking about the other teams that were doing other great work and you're like, well, here's another feature that we're trying to, trying to put out for our users. So I had a great time being at Twitter. I learned a lot. I became, a, I became an even more effective TPM, being around other effective TPMs, like, you know, being able to work on a, work on a global, like a global scale, right? Being able to work with a globally distributed team, learning more how to work asynchronously versus synchronously. I, I think that the culture, um, the culture that I had at T-Mobile was definitely a more synchronous culture, um, meaning that, that we were, we were in a, in a lot of meetings often versus at Twitter, because I'm working with people that may be in India or, or they may be in the UK or they may be in the East Coast, we need to be really good at communicating with each other on Slack, through documents, through comments, through through emails, through other ways where we can make decisions a little bit faster, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more efficient without necessarily having to meet synchronously. So like, like really being able to kind of have that shift and being able to, to learn how to get things out faster, how to communicate things better. I was like, this is absolutely great. Had things not went the way that they ended up being, I would have probably ended up like staying at Twitter a lot longer. There were several people that I worked with. They, you know, they had been at Twitter, you know, maybe three years, four years, five years, six, seven, eight, you know, and so on. Or, or some people that were like me, they had like just joined within the last year or like the last year and a half, but we absolutely loved it. We're like, we, we may be here forever. Like if, like if, if y'all, if y'all don't rip us out of here, we are going to be here forever. And we're just, we're going to continue working on Twitter and just trying to make it, trying to make it better, trying to make it a space where it, it can still be a place where the savages dwell, but like it, you can also introduce it to the people that don't yet know like the value that they can have on there. Like you can have fun on Twitter. You can have fun on Twitter spaces. You can have fun like, like within the communities. They're already reading threads or not threads, comments like on Instagram. People love the comment section. Twitter is, is basically a large comment section. It's, yeah. uh, you know, someone tweets something and uh, they have ideas, they have quote tweets and you just go read. But I, I know that not everyone enjoys like written content in the same way because most people now, they, they like the TikTok. They like the video, the scroll, you know, 60 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, and, and, and you kind of like get what you need. You end up in a rabbit hole on TikTok for hours. Yeah. But I, I don't think people end up in rabbit holes on, on Twitter for hours. I mean, all. you could if you start arguing with people, then you go <laughs> back and forth. So that's how you end up on rabbit holes on Twitter. I, I don't know who has the who has the time and, and, and the energy to to be having long drawn out arguments on Twitter. No one has time for that. Yeah, no, but it's one of those things. I avoid it. I just ignore. So I know that there were a lot of changes and you got laid off. Like, how did that make you feel? Like, obviously, because you wanted to stay for some time. How how'd you handle it? That was probably a pretty rough period. Like it. I, I I had to deal with all the stages of grief. <laughs> I think yeah. it, like, if you ask a lot of a lot of like Twitter employees, like we were going through like a stage of grief because a place and a culture and people that we loved working with was like just like ripped like ripped away from us like w without any say so that we that we had. So I I had to come to terms with one 
I don't work for this company anymore. Like a, a company that like in, in my mind, I, I put way too much of myself into this company. Like I loved working here. If you like talk to my friends and family, they knew that like, I really loved my job. They're like, yeah, like she, like she enjoys working at Twitter. Like, like this, like, this is like what she does. And I had to come with terms that one, I don't work here anymore. And then I had to come with terms with, even if I was not laid off, I knew that I would have to leave because it, it was no longer the company that I interviewed for. It was no longer going to be the company that had the values and it had the culture that I wanted. So like, like either way, there was going to be a separation. And so I, I had to come like with, with, with the terms with, with all of this, right? All of like the sadness and grief. I'm like, damn, I'm not going to get to work with the people that I've enjoyed, like all the people that I'm, I'm spending so much time with. We, all of us, we don't work together anymore. All of the, the plans that we had, like, oh, this is what we're going to do with, you know, at the end of the year, this is what we're going to do in, in, in 2023. None of those plans ever saw the light of day, <laughs> but these were all ideas that we had and things that we wanted to do. And I'm like, damn, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never get to do it. Um, so it, it was definitely sad. And then entering this market, was probably is one of the like the worst the worst job markets that I have personally been in because the only other time I've been in the job market was in like 2019 which was it, it was it was very different yeah and, so, so much like, easier just to give you a just to give you a comparison I took a contract role at T-Mobile in the beginning uh, or like the beginning middle of 2019 I only did two interviews it was one day two interviews versus I want to fast forward you to, to this market. Uh, there was an, another another consulting um, a consulting agency that I was engaging with, still with T-Mobile. In total, I did eight interviews. I did eight interviews with them. Mind you, I, I already used to work for yeah. T-Mobile before, <laughs> so it, it, it's a completely different market. Like I'm, I am in competition and competing with people that have maybe 10, 15, 20 years experience. They may be the exact perfect match of what this person is potentially looking for. So there, there's a lot of factors that's contributing to you know, why it's becoming very difficult. And then not only did, you know, a large amount of the, like the, like the Twitter employees get laid off after that, several other, you know, like large big tech companies started doing layoffs in the, in the thousands, uh, 10,000 here, 12,000 here, 18,000. Now you have all of us, all of us in this market, almost applying for the same jobs. And then you have a, a lot of companies going on hiring freezes, or they may have a role that's available, but then they may lose budget for it, or they're being reorged, or you know they're trying to figure out things for themselves. So now there's less roles available, but there's a lot of you know, a lot of tech talent that's currently out in the market. Um, so I I was on the market for like like five months, and I, I did several rounds of interviews at several different places, and. Something just just ended up happening at the end, like whether they decided to move on with another candidate or maybe the role needed to kind of go like go under evaluation. But it was it was definitely a very stressful time. It was not not pleasant. It was not like all happiness and 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 and, and rainbows. It was like, damn, I'm I'm laid off. Like I, I need I need to do like all these interviews. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, I, I tried to take a small break, but I mean, that really just did not work. I mean, like getting laid off, like right before the holidays, I, I guess I would consider like that, like a, a small break time, but I was every day on the grind. I mean, I'm, I'm doing something to kind of, not, you know, not only like push myself forward to be inside of this market to like short my next opportunity, but it, it just ends up taking a lot of your capacity um, where, you know, it's, instead of me getting to work on, you know, work that is very exciting for me, I'm spending, you know, a, a large amount of my day only dedicated to like a job search. 
Um, and, you know, to kind of add on to the stress, you know, my, my partner who also uh, was working at Big Tech, he also got laid off. So now we're like, well, <laughs> now we're both <laughs> laid off. Like, this isn't good. So, you know, it, it was definitely just a, a, a stressful time. Um, but I am excited to have been able to land something. Like, that is what I'm most excited about. And I not only landed something, I landed something at another great company. And I get to work with a former tweet um, who her and I, we used to work together at Twitter. Um, and so, like, being able to work on the same team with her again i'm like this is perfect like you'll oftentimes hear now like like people are not necessarily following companies they're they're following the, their co-workers so if, if i see a company that has hired like you know like like former like twitter employees or they've hired people that, that i've worked with i am now more interested in this company because i want to work with those people again looking back on your career what would you say you're most proud of i would probably say i am most proud of what I've been able to accomplish in a short amount of time. So this is like not, not only from the lens of like work and impact, companies, compensation, just all of the things that I was literally able to do in a short amount of time. Like going from having like going from, from having like z- zero technical background to being able to work um like work like with the likes of companies like Twitter and T-Mobile and now eBay. That is what I am like most not only excited about, but also like what what I would consider a really large accomplishment. No, I mean, it's big because it's like you're still young and your career is just getting started and you're only going higher up. Now, what are your future goals? Future goals. Um, So I I had mentioned that I am very interested in product management, which is how I ended up taking the role at Twitter because Twitter was a product, not was a product, is a product. And I I had an opportunity to work on the features and all the things. So as, as I look at my career next, um, like, you know, if I say like the next, I don't know, two, two, three, five years, whatever it may be, I will eventually hold the title of product manager. Up until this point, I've been within the technical program management space um, or, you know, the technical project management space. But I, I think product management is like the next natural path that I, that, that I would like to take. Product management is oftentimes, you know, associated with a lot of the strategy planning. But I think in, in the same in the same way of TPMs and PMs, we make ideas into a reality. And that is the space that I want to be at. I, I, I want to continue working at companies where I'm I'm either championing championing their their mission. Like I'm like, I'm 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 behind like 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 whatever it is that this product is doing, whatever it is that, that your company is trying to do. And here is how I can help. Here's how I, I can be involved. Here's how I can understand the unique problems that that your customer base may be trying that, that you know like, that they may be wanting to do, or the new customers that you haven't even had a chance to tap into yet, or maybe it's a brand new product idea that hasn't even hit like hit the market yet. Like being a, a product manager, you get to be part of all of that from like from you know very early inception all the way through. Um, so I, I think that is probably where I'm going to end up taking my career next is just staying within the product management space. Um, but a large part of, of what I do is also just continuing to give back in various forums. So whether it's serving, you know, on boards for year up, um, serving as some sort of a mentor, continuing to work with Jay at, at Mentor Mesh and being able to just share my story, can connect with folks, build programs. Like these are all the things that I enjoy doing the most. This is going to be very different. If you saw an 18-year-old heaven walking across the street, what would you tell her? I would probably, <laughs> I would say I've always had a very strong drive and I would tell her that she needs to stay steady on her plan, but she definitely needs to be open to opportunities. Um, and 
being open to opportunities is how I landed the opportunities that, that that I had. Like as I was mentioning, like like throughout different parts of my story, had I not been open to the possibility of me doing something, then I would have never got to where I was going. Had I not been open to the possibility of I can go get a business degree because I can take calculus, I can take accounting, I can take economics, I can take these classes. But if, if I had just brushed it off, I could have had a completely a completely different path. Had I not been open to the idea that I can be someone that is technical, I, I would have never been able to find myself in the Europe space. If I had never, you know, been able to go, of course I can apply to work at Twitter. I'm, I'm technical enough. I have T-Mobile on my resume. I have Vizio on my resume. Like I, I'm open to the opportunity that I can be somewhere else. So that is what I would probably tell tell an 18 year old heaven. Stay study on, on the course. I've always had a plan. I need to do something. And already going to be going down a path is just a matter of there were better paths that, that I could have taken. And, I, you know, it, it may have taken me a, a little bit longer, but I, I, I really do think this has been an, an expedited plan for, from, yeah. from, from 18 to now. Um, so I, I think I think that that's, that's what I would just tell her, just to stay open to to the possibility that you can be someone that can be inside of these spaces. Now, let's go back. I know you used to wrestle. Let's I talk did. about that because it's like, you know, I mean, girls wrestling is the fastest growing sport now. Um, obviously, it was it was still growing, but it wasn't as popular as it is today. How was it wrestling in a very male-dominated sport, and how did you manage that? Yeah, so uh, funny enough, I got into wrestling because of my best friend. Um, so, what, so her and I, we've been friends uh, like since we were in like I don't know, like like fifth grade together. And so she did wrestling as soon as we got into middle school because her brother did wrestling. And I was in middle school. I was like, I want to do a sport too. I, so I, I tried track, and I was like, they, they're running too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do not like running. And I, I like, honestly, I have no idea like why, like whatever was going on in my mind. I was like, I think I can do track. No hard. No. Um, so I was like, I need to find another sport. Like ba- I, I'm basketballs. It's not, not it. Like yeah. I was like, maybe re- like maybe wrestling. Right. She was like, yeah, like you, sh- like you should wrestle. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I like why. Right. And so the, the very last day that they were like open to tryouts, like I, I remember like I, I had on like my, like my, my gym gear and I could have just like went and got on the bus and went home or I could have went, to, I could have went to the mat and I went to the mat and I never looked back. I mean, like, like that was, that was like literally like, like my starting point. So I started wrestling in eighth grade. Um, and it like, it was fun. I was probably in the best shape of my entire life. You have to be in incredible shape to be able to wrestle someone of a equal body weight to you and to be able to, to wrestle them for at least six minutes and potentially like going to go into overtime. There's a lot of mobility and, and flexibility involved with wrestling as well. By the time I got into high school, it so much harder um, yeah. because like, because now <laughs> you, you may be in, in an even larger weight class. And so like now, like, you know, like, like the, the scales are also bigger. I would oftentimes, I would uh, oftentimes be wrestling boys. Cause there was, there was just not, not yeah. a lot of girls, um, not only like, w- w- like within my weight class, but also that were just interested in wrestling to begin with. So I, I needed to be quick. I needed to be good, like good at my technique. Cause I, I'm not here to play games. I'm here to win. <laughs> so, so that, that is kind of like what my, my wrestling journey was like. Um, I did have an opportunity to wrestle at state. Um, so during, during my sophomore year, I was able to, to not only pass league, I was able to pass, um, the regional matches and me and my best friend, both her and I, we went and wrestled at the Tacoma dome. We did not place, but it's like, states is tough. But I, I mean, like, it, like if you, if you think you like, like you think you're a good wrestler, right? And then, and then you, you start seeing there, 
there's there's other good wrestlers. You get to state there's better wrestlers. They they eat, eat, live, and breathe everything wrestling. And I I was not doing that at that time. And I like I remember like going inside those matches. I, I got taken down just so fast. Yeah. Like I mean, it's, it's almost like I didn't even, I didn't even have a chance. Like I, I thought I was good. Like, yeah. I, like I've been training this entire season. Like I've made it this far. I I can play something. I'm I'm not gonna take home like the first place trophy, but I. I'm not gonna be last. I have to, I was absolutely last, but I was I was just excited to just be there, like wrestling at the Tacoma Dome and being able to say, like, damn, like I made it to state. Um, and and wrestling is also a sport that requires like a lot of dedication, uh, like a lot of dedication to not only keep and maintain your weight, to show up every day for practice, even when it hurts. Practice was like it was like two and a half hours. Yeah, a lot of of sweating, a lot of throwing. I mean, you're, you're, you're like you're sore, but when you're younger, your body bounces back quickly so it's, it's almost it's almost like like none of this is, is even happening um but it, it, it's, it's also it's a lot of fun too like if, if you do enjoy the sport and you start to become good at it it can definitely be a lot of fun and it, it, it can also help you push yourself past limits that you did not necessarily think think, think that you would have for better or for worse um they would tell us pain is weakness leaving the body so when they would have us running sprint lines or they would be like oh we're gonna go for like a, a long run today and they were like like w- w- whenever you're running don't stop i mean like y- your shins could be hurting you, you yeah. can be out of oxygen they're just like keep your body you know kind of kind of like you know kind of moving and they're like does it hurt pain is weakness leaving the body i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah wrestling is not an easy sport pretty painful i know it, for me me, it really helped my work ethic. Would you say that kind of set you up like after? Because I think that always set me up for like, I always had like, hey, I got to work at this. I got to work hard. Like, I don't know. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to work hard at it. You know, in some ways, I think I think wrestling may have potentially helped because once I had joined in eighth grade, I did a sport like like almost almost the, the entire time. I eventually did do soccer um, and, and, and soccer was a lot of fun. I did soccer because it was before wrestling. I was like, I, I was like, I actually I need to do something before wrestling so that I'm not going into the season out of shape every single year because yeah. like, would start the season and I would feel like I'm dying every time I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do soccer before. So I've already been running. I've already been doing stuff. And so now when they have us running and, you know, throwing people, I'm, I'm, I'm not dying. Um, I did try judo for a year as well. I I, I was not a big fan of judo. I, I would have preferred to have done uh, wrestling, but I, I got my first job at McDonald's. Um, and so it was, it was right during the season. So I, I really wanted to do something. So I ended up doing judo, which is as close as I can get to wrestling at that time. Um, but I, I would say that do, like doing a sport definitely helps, you know, because you, like you're responsible for yourself you're responsible for your team it does help build like a little bit of, of that work that work ethic it does help help you push yourself I, I was pushing myself a lot in like in wrestling I remember uh one night I I had or one day rather I had to lose like four pounds like 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 within like a day and a half yeah yeah I mean I I don't I don't recommend but I, yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't I didn't I did not eat so I, I went to practice I went to practice with like I like double sweats on, you know, just like yeah. you know, a whole, whole bunch of clothes, like make myself sweat. I went home that night. I didn't eat. I was drinking like little bits of water. Then during like like the actual school day during lunch, I went down to the track. I had had to I had to run and, and you know run and jog. Yeah. Then right before they took us to the match, the coach had he had me he had me running in, in circles in the gym. Then before I got to to the weigh in, I'm. 
I mean, the, the amount of the amount of I, I was really hungry and, and thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> needless to say, but I, ha- I had to make weight, and so needless, I, I've not been able to to replicate that ever, ever yeah. in life during that time period where I ended up just being over, and they were like, "You just need to get on the scale and like be at the actual weight." I was like, "Okay," and then as, as, soon, as soon as I, I weighed in, I was like, "I can eat, I can drink, like this is gonna be fine. I'm never gonna do this again." Like, like that's crazy, um, but. You know, like being able to kind of like push yourself to to do things that you you don't think that you probably should be doing or that you would want to do. But once you do it and you've achieved whatever it is that you achieved, which in my case, I needed to make weight so that I can stay within the right bracket so I can yeah. wrestle the people that I was meant to wrestle. So that was the objective. And I was able to achieve it by pushing myself in, incredibly hard. I, but, but for all health and nutrition purposes, do, do not repeat at home. Yeah, I I don't recommend it. You know, planning is good, and I remember those days where I had to lose. And yeah, it's not it's not fun. I want to ask you, how would people support you in your journey? Like, how would people follow you? How would people find you? Yeah, so I I am I am online. I, I now have an, an online presence. So I am on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter. So I'm on LinkedIn as Heaven Hamilton. I'm on Twitter um, as as Heaven's Take. So I oftentimes am, am hosting Twitter Spaces. Um, you know, as part of the Mentor Mesh community um, with Jay Taylor. So right now, people they can support me in several ways um, because of my love for Year Up. By simply supporting Year Up, you are supporting me. Um, Year Up is a big part of my journey. It's a big part of, of what I do. So if you want to be a mentor to Year Up students, if you want to be, you know, an employer of Year Up alum. If you want to be an internship manager and take on some Europe interns to help them get the access and the opportunities that they need, that is one incredible way that I could be of support for me. Um, being part of the Mentor Mesh community, being able to kind of show up, we do a lot of uh, a lot of content online on, on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn Audio. Twitter spaces. Um, and we oftentimes we, we just have people share their stories, like literally just share like, like the same way, like I'm, I'm talking with you and I'm, I'm sharing my story. We just do it in, in, an, in an interactive way, like, you know, kind of like, like the interactive podcast. So having, you know, different guest speakers be able to come up, having people join our community. They're open to coffee chats. They're open to sharing what they're learning. They're open to kind of sharing their challenges. Like those are all great ways to support. We are also having an in-person conference, which I am incredibly excited about. So if folks would like to either, you know, meet me, meet you, meet Jay, you know, kind of like meet, meet the, the mentor mesh community, we are going to be in person in Portland. So, you know, if, if folks would love to come to that um, and they get to network, you know, kind of kick off your own professional development for the start of the summer. Um, and other than that, just follow me on social media. I mean, I, I often tweet either tech related things or, or just my, my own personal things. I mean, I, I you can probably like see it a little bit in my background. I watch a lot of anime, got, got my, my Naruto yeah. thing back there. I watch a, a lot of K dramas. I, I got some K drama DVDs because if I can't find a show, I'll, I'll just order it somewhere. Um, so, you know, th- these are all things that, that I just generally enjoy that I may potentially tweet about. Um, you know, I, I create content on, on YouTube. I haven't created, created content in a couple of years because of how busy I have been, but heaven's take is really just, it, it's all about my perspective on various topics that, that I enjoy. So that is how folks can kind of follow me and, and keep up. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. This was so amazing. I appreciate you looking forward to when we meet again in person. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. 
If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.